Choose you this day whom you will serve. When I was 20 years old, I was a junior in college. And I knew that when summer came, I had to make a lot of money. I had to make enough money to pay for my senior year of school. So I had a, I had a buddy of mine in school who worked in, he lived in South Dakota. And my buddy in South Dakota, his dad owned a ranch. And he told me, if you come with me home for the summer, we'll work you like a dog. But we'll pay you some good money. So that was my plan. I was in South Dakota, work with cows and cattle and make my fortune. That was the plan. I was scared of it, but I, I could do it because, yeah, I was going to do that. So gonna, that was my plan. But something unforeseen entered into my um, reasoning. I met a girl. I met a girl named Angie Sims. And this was before cell phones. And I think they were out. They existed. Zach had one on Saved by the Bell, but they're really big at the time and really expensive. So we would correspond through letters. We would write. And our writing over the semester, over the year, our writing had gotten more familiar. It had become more sweet. Uh, I looked forward to each letter a little more. I was falling for this girl. And I'm like, I got a decision to make now. Either I can go west to Dakota and make my fortune, or I can go east to Michigan and chase the girl. And I knew that the decision I made had profound impact upon my life. If I didn't go get the girl, she might, I mean, I, I'm going to graduate next year. I'm going to move up. My career is going to begin. I don't have these, this time of being youthfully irresponsible, you know. My real life would begin very soon. If I didn't go to Dakota, though, how would I pay to go to college? So I had this real decision. I, had, I, I came to a crossroads in my life. And when we come to crossroads, we must make decisions. We must choose a path. That's hard for many of us. Many of us come to crossroads, and we just try, we try to ignore it. We coast. But even coasting is a decision, isn't it? Not deciding is a decision. And in this chapter of Joshua, Joshua comes to the nation of Israel and calls them to a crossroads to make a choice. Let's give some background to the text. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob has how many sons? Twelve sons. And these twelve sons become the twelve tribes of Israel. These 12 kids have just boodles, oodles of grandkids. And the, the tribe becomes 70 people strong. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a crew. You, pick, you mess with that kid at the schoolyard, you got 70 cousins. That's a big crew. You know what I'm saying? This 70-person tribe ends up living in Egypt, ends up growing, 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 and Egypt enslaves the children of Israel. For 400 years, they're enslaved until God sends Moses, the deliverer, to bring them out of bondage. He, they cross the Red Sea. They come to the mountain of God, receive the Ten Commandments, receive the law. All is going well. 
When Moses, we know, dies on the edge of the promise. See, Abraham had been promised years before. Abraham was told by God, if you trust me, if you follow me, if you do what I ask of you, someday your kids will be like the sand on the beach or the stars in the sky. From you will come a great nation. He said, I'm going to give your descendants a land to dwell, a land to call home. They've been waiting for this land for over 500 years. This promised land. Moses dies seeing the land and never entering. When Moses dies, Joshua becomes the leader of Israel. See, Israel, the nation, rebelled against God once again and ended up walking on the desert 40 years and all the older generation died out. And now their children are about to enter the promised land and Joshua is their new leader. Joshua's like 80 years old. He's 80 years old. I thought he was always like my age, because we read the Bible through our own eyes, I guess. I thought he was like this 40, 40 years old, young buck. He's an older dude. He's 79 years old. And he's the leader. He's the general. He's the judge. He's everything. And he leads Israel across the Jordan to wage war on the promised land, and they know victory. The book of Joshua is really about how God keeps his promises. God gives Israel the land he promised. It took 30 generations, but the land is given. At the end of the book of Joshua, the wars are over. The tribes are like, we're ready to go home and lay our heads down and enjoy the rest after a hard-fought battle. We have walked across the, we have left, these, these, these little, these, the, the, the warriors were babies in Egypt. They were carried through the wilderness. They wandered and watched their parents fall in the dirt, and now they've come through warfare. They're ready to lay their heads down and have a home. You know what I'm saying? They're ready to be done with the bad. They're ready for the good. And before the good can start, Joshua has one more thing to lay on them. Old man Joshua, if you're here and you're 80, it'll be mad I called you old, I'm sorry. By any definition, 80 is old. Okay, so, old man Joshua, he's going to die and he wants one more time to talk to the people of Israel. He says this, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in the, your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua gives the people an out. He's like, listen, we are about to enter into covenant with the holy God. We're going to become his bride. And before you make these vows, I'm giving you the choice. Do you want to be with God or not? He gives them the out, which is very, very loving. God doesn't force people to love him. He's like, I will be your God if you will be my people. Do you want this? Your, your, your parents said, yes, I'm asking you now. Do you want to do this thing with me? Do you, I will protect you. I will guide you. I will love you 
But if we do this thing, if we do this dance, you got to be faithful to me. And he gives him the choice. Do you want this? Make a choice to stay on whom you are going to serve. And he puts them to a moment of crossroads. As a preacher, I have seen, as a Christian who's gone to church since I was 14 years old, I have seen a lot of preachers end a service by saying, does anyone here want to meet Jesus? Everyone will close their eyes. People will raise their hands up. They'll ask people, is there anyone here who wants to make a decision for Jesus? And some people will raise their hands up. Some churches make people stand up. That's brave, man. That's like, some churches, you've got to come down the altar to an altar. you got to come down the aisle. That's old Billy Graham style, going down the altar, going to the front, bowing the knee. You make a decision for Jesus. It's this big moment, this big day. Joshua says, I want to know what you want to do. And what's crazy, like I said, but many of us, when it comes to decisions, we often don't make decisions. We often come to crossroads, and we try to let the universe decide for us. We try to like, we try to like stall until something blows up. We're like, I guess I'm doing that. We don't like making hard decisions because hard decisions can go wrong. I can, I can choose poorly. You know, Indiana Jones style. Oh, you've chosen poorly. It can happen. Many of us in our Christian lives, we are like the church in Revelation 3 where Jesus tells this church, you are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm, and I want to spit you out of my mouth. Many of us, it comes to God, we're kind of in and we're kind of out. We live in this one foot in each world. Part of me likes God. Part of me loves God. Part of me wants to obey Jesus, but another part of me doesn't give a rip what he says. I'm being very dramatic for a purpose. We would never say, I don't give a rip what he says. We'd never say that out loud, but we live that way. There are parts of our lives that are mine and parts that are Jesus's, that belong to him. And Joshua goes, you're either in or you're out. Make the call. Because if you choose God, Saying yes to him is saying no to all other gods and all other idols and all other things to worship. We're called to make a decision. Whom will we serve? Bob Dylan once so wisely said, we're all going to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody, as the song says. And it's true. We're going to serve somebody. We're going to worship something. When I work with addicts, I always tell addicts when I minister in addiction homes, recovery homes, we were built to worship. Some of us have decided to worship the drug we love or the high we get. That becomes for us the most important thing in our lives. We're all designed to worship something. Is it going to be God or something else? Joshua says, make the choice. No plan. I don't want anyone walking in saying, I didn't know the rules. Are you with me or are you not with me? God gives them the out. When I was pursuing Angie, I chose to go east to Angie, in case you don't know that. I, uh, I was like, roommate guy, you're awesome, but 30 dudes in a bunkhouse, 
versus a girl who's pretty. It's not much of a fight, you know what I'm saying? Like cows or romance. I'm like, ah, choose romance. I, I went east. I had to get two jobs in, in Michigan, two full-time jobs to make money. For, and so I'd work these two full-time jobs. And whenever I had a moment to steal, I got off work early on a Friday. I'd just jump in my, my ghetto van. And I'd drive 90 minutes north, spend a few hours with Angie, and I'd drive back, prepare for work on a Sunday somewhere else. It was good days. As we started talking, she had hesitation. She said, I don't know if I want to marry you. I'm like, why not? I'm so cool. Um, <laughs> but she, she, she really said, I don't know if I want to be with, to commit myself to you as your girlfriend. I'm like, what's, what's, the, what's the issue? She goes, I've always wanted to travel. And if I marry you and we have kids, that all gets put down for years and years and years. Well, that's fair. If you want, your dream has been to be a traveler, that's been your goal for years. I'm like, okay, how do we deal? How do we resolve this? Thinking through it. Like, okay, I got it. I said, tell you what, take some money you got. Go on a dream trip right now. Just go. And go see beautiful things and meet great people and, and just eat exotic things. And if you go there and your soul is satisfied, don't worry about me. I'll go find my way in the world. I gave her the out. But if you go to this trip, if you go out there to this place with this good food and good people and good setting, and the whole time you're there, you're miserable because you miss me so bad then you will know I'm your guy. I, did I say this? I said these words. Because I knew I didn't want to be someone's concession prize. I knew I wanted, I wanted her, I wanted her love very much. But I wasn't going to demand it. I wasn't going to manipulate for it. I wasn't going to trick her. I'm like, there's the, you have the whole world and singleness and all that coolness, or you're gonna have me. And I gave her the out. And the Lord, right here, gives Israel the out. He goes, You don't gotta serve me. If you want something else, there's the door. God's like, I'm driving over here. I'm, I'm driving. You wanna get in the car? Let's do this. If you don't wanna get in the car, you don't have to. We have to make a choice. Are we for the Lord or not? We gotta stop living. One foot in each world, pretending we're on God's team. We are, we're, like we live this double-minded lifestyle where one day I'm with God and one day I'm not. So I'm constantly doing this weird dance where I a step in and two steps out. We're doing this crazy, awful dance. And the Bible says very clearly, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. If you're in and out, week, one week with God, one week, your life can keep on just spinning this awful way. Make a choice. Make a decision. Martin Luther once said, so, what's the word when you're like, Martin Luther once said so blasphemously, blasphemously, he said, if you're going to sin, sin boldly. That sounds like terrible advice, doesn't it? If you're going to sin, sin boldly. Luther said, stop pretending you're a good person. If you're going to be, a, if you're going to be stupid, just be stupid. A lot of us as Christians do bad things and try to put, like, Christian mayonnaise on it. Like, it's really his, I swear. It's not his. It's, what you're doing is bad. Stop calling it good. Just admit, 
I like sinning and I'm stupid. Just say the words. Stop pretending your sin is good. It's not. If you're going to sin, call it what it is. Who do you wish to serve? Make the choice. The people say this. The people answered, verse 16, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and some other gods, for it is the Lord, our God, who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who did those great sights and those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove up before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. They make the choice. We're, we're all in. We're with the Lord. And Joshua goes, hold up, verse 19. He goes, hang on, verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. That's what goes. He goes before you make this covenant, before you make this vow, if, just know if you say you belong to the Lord, if you're his bride, and you cheat on him later, he's going to smoke you. He's like, listen, if you make the promise now and you cheat on him, he's a holy God and a jealous God. He gives him a warning. Like, and we often will say dramatic things very quickly. We'll make big, bold promises without thinking about it. And we're here being told to count the cost. Before you make the big promise, think about it. We always get these offers in the email. These companies email us, and they're, they're not Nigerian princes. They're real offers. <laughs> it's usually from hotel chains saying, come to our Orlando hotel for three days for 100 bucks." And part of you is like, 100 bucks." But if you go there, you know what this is, right? It's the condo thing. You got to go to the two-hour condo thing. And they sell you on the condo. And listen, these people are great salesmen. Anyone here ever done the condo sale? You go and they try. So you guys know what the condo sale is, okay? Let me tell you something. I can't walk through the Walmart checkout line and not buy candy. <laughs> I'm a salesman's. I'm his vacation. He's like, oh, kids are going to college. Like They see me coming, and they're happy because they got me. So I, am, I, I never will go to the condo salesman because I know he'll talk me into it. I'll be like, this is a great value. Oh, man, this is the deal of a lifetime. Like, in that moment, I'll think, only $300 a month. I mean, would be crazy not to sign this paper. Um, and in that moment, when they're talking all this big trash, you make this promise. Like, yeah, I'll pay this bill for the next 15 years of my life. And Joshua's like, before you say yes to God, you got to count the cost and know what you're saying yes to. A lot of us talk big trash real fast. And we don't have to think, what am I promising? What am I saying yes to? Joshua says here, listen, before you say yes to God, you better make sure you understand that. If you say yes to God now and go back on your word, it's going to go badly for you. 
he, he gives them a double out. They say yes. He goes, hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. When I, uh, so Edgy and I, I chase her. She goes to the trip. She goes overseas. She went to South Africa, right? Beautiful. The Cape of Good Hope. That was called? There's like two oceans meet right at the bottom of the world there in Africa. Great friends there. Great food. And she wrote me a letter. And it opened up and it said something like, I'm so mad at you. And I was like, oh. <laughs> She's like, I'm here in this land. And all I can think about is you. And I was like, let's get married then. That's what I said. I was like, well, let's get married then. Um, it's very romantic. So we get, we, we, I, we proposed to her, and we set a date. And we get, we, it's the day of the, the wedding, the day of the, the wedding, and all my friends are there, families all coming up for the wedding. I wake up in the morning of, and I'm sitting out on this porch under the blue sky here in Michigan. It's a beautiful August day. I'm thinking about life, and I'm like, I'm about to walk. I'm about to stand at the front of a thing, and she's going to walk down an aisle, and her dad's going to hand her hand to mine. I'm going to take her hand into mine. He's going to entrust me with his, with his daughter, and uh, I'm going to say some words. And they're very big words, right? The words to have and to hold for richer, for poorer. Holy cow. Health, uh, for health and for sickness. Sickness and health. For better or for worse. These are big words. I'm thinking to myself, if I say yes today, if I say yes to this girl, I'm saying no to every other girl in the world. Because when you choose to make a covenant with someone in marriage, you're saying no to everybody else. I'm sitting there thinking, like, this is a big, this, what I'm doing today is a big deal. I felt the weight of it. I'm like, this promise I'm making, means even if we have bad times, I'm promising to stick this thing out. And I'm like, oh, man, this is a big promise. And I felt the heaviness of it. And that's a good thing because I counted the cost that day. I chewed on it. I thought on it. That I'm like, yeah, I will make this promise. And I stood in front of all my family and friends. I made the vow. And it's been 19 years now. But counting the cost is a big deal. God says, in, in Christian world, we often, we preach about Jesus, we say, come to Jesus, joy of salvation, the greatness of heaven. Who wants to be a Christian? Oh, I do. When I was a little kid, I was a little boy, went to Baptist church when I was like seven, and someone was like, hell is fire. I'm like, oh my gosh. Who wants to go to hell? Like, I don't want to go to hell. No one wants to go to hell. They're like, who wants to go to not hell? I'm like, I'll, I'll send me to New Jersey anywhere but hell. Uh, but uh, that's a New Jersey joke, sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you're from New Jersey, I'm sorry. I don't know why it came out. Um, so, I've never even been to New Jersey. I don't know why, that's mean. Um, as a little kid, though, they said hell, and I said, hell bad, heaven. I raised my hand. A lot of times when we, we call people to Jesus, we tell them only the good stuff. It's like selling a used car. You go to a used car salesman, he's like, oh, I'm looking at the windshield wipers work. These headlights work. The seat goes up and down. This is a great car. They, they show you the good things and hide the bad. And we often sell Jesus like this. We tell people, Jesus is so awesome, and he'll bless you, and he'll love you. People raise their hand, and we don't tell them the hard part. That following Jesus means you're not the king of your life anymore. 
You must bow your knee in submission to the authority of someone else. And that's hard. You're giving up. You're, you are submitting and yielding your life to someone else named Jesus. That is a tough Joshua, when he said, choose you this day whom you will serve, it's a big moment decision. Like, I'm choosing this today. We serve the Lord. We also choose to serve the Lord tomorrow and the next day and the next. When you come to Christ, you're not just saying it once. You're choosing to come to Christ every single day. Every day is dying to self. Every day is repenting of sin. Every, every few months... I have to recalibrate my life because I stink and drift. How's the song go? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We're prone to wander. We, we coast. Saying yes to Jesus now means saying yes to Jesus tomorrow and the next day, the next day. When I said yes to her, when I said I do at the wedding day, that was an easy I do. When she came down looking all pretty down the aisle and everyone's there and the sky's blue, everyone's like, yeah, cheering for us. Well, then we go home and there's no one cheering anymore. It's just us in a room and we live together. It's like, oh, we live together now. Like it, it, it was very, for me, it was, very, it was a very big change because I always lived not with people. I lived in college on my own. Um, I was a really bad roommate, too. Really bad roommate. Every roommate I had in college left me after one semester, which should tell you something. I'm an awful person to live with. 19 years. <laughs> but saying yes on that day was the easiest yes. The hardest yes is yes to happen as life goes on. After a fight. Die to self, make peace. Have a hard issue you got to talk about. We got to talk about it and be calm and cool about it, all that stuff. Saying yes to Jesus, not just saying yes today, it's saying yes to Jesus tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and walking with Christ through our lives. It's a series of small deaths over time, dying to self and living according to the indwelling spirit of Jesus Christ. If you're going to follow Christ, you better count the cost. It costs something. Loving people the way Christ does is inconvenient. It costs something financially, emotionally. The people are warned again to count the cost, and they say, we will serve the Lord. They say we're in. 22. And Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. He's like, okay, I've asked you three times. They say, we are witnesses. Three times they say yes. Joshua said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. People said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. They say yes four times. I want you to make a choice. Whom will you serve? Two, 
That comes to cost. Do you understand what it means to belong to Jesus Christ? And lastly, you got to live with the consequences. The Israelites say we're with God. And in verse 28, it says, So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. God provides land and a home for the nation. He's like, okay, you're with me? I'm going to provide for you then. And they receive the inheritance. They choose the Lord, and they receive the Lord's provision and protection. We make decisions. If we choose the Lord, we count the cost. Is what it means to follow the Lord. It could cost me a lot. I've been using our relationship as a as a prolonged metaphor. I know not everyone. I know not everyone here is married, but I just I just it's a metaphor that it's very it's a covenant we all understand. As we talked about um, marriage and the covenant, Angie and I, I told her. Early on, I said, babe, we're going to be pastors. And if I'm a pastor and you choose to marry me, you're sharing me with the entire world. It means on date that we might get a call and I have to leave in the middle of a date to go deal with an emergency. On Mondays are my day off. I usually leave my phone up on my bed. So if you call me on Monday, if you text me on Monday, if you message me on Facebook on Monday, I'm probably not going to answer because Monday is the one day I give to my wife and kids, just so you know. Not because I don't love you. Because I gotta love them too. But sometimes Mondays get blown up. There have been funerals on Monday. There have, we we have had people take their own lives on Monday, and that just that just means you go and take care of things. So we made this covenant, and we live with the consequences of it. What are the consequences of choosing to be with Jesus? I'll tell you what they are. Jesus said, anyone who hears these words of mine and lives by them, they're like a wise man who built their house on the rock. And when the winds blew and the water rose and the storm struck that house, it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. If you choose to walk with Jesus, the storm will come, but it won't knock your life down. I mean, the storm hurts. The wind does blow. The waters do rise. But if you are in Christ and with Christ, you're found on the rock, your life does not fall down. What's the consequence of your, of your life if you choose not to serve the Lord, if you choose not to follow Christ? Jesus said, any person who hears these words of mine and does not live by them is like a foolish man who built their house on the sand. And when the wind blew and the waters rose and the storm raged and beat against that house, that house fell and great was the fall of it. If I build my life apart from the Lord, you can push me over. Let's say you're a believer in Christ and you're choosing to live in open, rebellious sin 
all the time. And you know when I'm doing it right, it ain't good. God is not for me. He's been speaking to me about this a lot. I just won't listen. If you belong to Jesus and choose to live in open rebellion to him, you will be miserable. His Holy Spirit will plague you and chase you and speak to you, and you will always lack peace. If you belong to him, and when he prompts you and he leads you, you listen and obey and put the things down, you, what a gift of just being with the Lord and knowing he is pleased with your obedience and your faithfulness. The question I ask, I'll ask all of us is very simple. Choose this day whom you will serve. Who do you serve? Whom do you belong to? The Lord or yourself? The Lord or pleasure? The Lord or an addiction? Choose you this day whom you serve. And as Joshua said so boldly, I hope our church can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let us pray together. Father, I'm having so much for this day and for your word that is true. Following you is not easy, Lord. It is hard to apologize. It is hard to forgive. It is hard to love the unlovely. It is hard to trust you when we don't know why things are happening. Following you, there are days, Lord, I can't see where you're leading. But for those of us here who have made the covenant, made the vow, made the decision to follow you, let us hold on. You say in the psalm, you say in Ecclesiastes, it is good for a man and a woman to wait upon the Lord. Let us wait upon you, Lord. For those in this room who do not know you, who have never made the choice to follow you. Let us count the cost of what it would mean to become your disciple, to become your follower. Let us read your words, draw near to your people, and ask the question, Lord, I wonder if you want to know what it means to follow you. Lord, lead us to you. Those here that don't know you, lead people to your son. Live very much, Jesus. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen.